Praise God. Well, church, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to go to Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start there. Now, I want to share something with you this morning. It's still off the message of ministering to the Lord. Um, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I say this over and over again. We live in some crazy times, right? And there's all kinds of things happening. There's all kinds of wickedness going on in the world. There's all kinds of stuff taking place. And, you know, a lot of times in life, you don't, it doesn't become real to you until it touches you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God bless and, and, and help all the Christians and the people that are in Afghanistan trying to get out of the, you know, I, I can't imagine what is they're going through. I, I, I mean, I've been in some, I've been in some bad places in life, but never trying to flee a country and I can't get to the airport. And, you know, you may get beat up when you're out there and then you don't know whether to say you are trying to get out or not or whatever, you know. And so uh, difficult times, but we, you know, we're still seeing it from afar. I read an article uh, from the basically in, he's the head Border Patrol agent, uh, the commissioner in charge of all the Border Patrol. And he made a statement. He said that in the that in our border where we live right here, this southwest border uh, right now, that they have people that have come across the border from one hundred and forty countries. And I thought to myself, I mean, when I read it, I was like, wait a minute, 140 countries. And so then I had to go Google who, how many countries are there in the world? You know, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I, I don't know that information at the top of my head. Do, would y'all know? Do anybody really know just off the top of your head? You mean like not guessing here this morning, y'all would actually like that's some, some knowledge you actually have? I mean, I didn't until I read the article. 195. There's only 195 countries in the world, and 140 of them been through our border. You just put that down. You start to think about how real that is of what's going on around us, okay? Right here in our midst. Even again, Utopia, we're a little, you know, unscathed than they are in Uvalde and, you know, Canipa and Savannah and some other places, you know, that are closer and right on Highway 90 and that kind of stuff. My point is, you don't a lot of times... Use your faith until you're confronted. Right? I'm telling y'all folks, I've lived here in Utopia for, I don't know what, 36, 38 years, something like that. I'm still a foreigner. But because uh, I had to come up from the flatlands, I came up from Sabnow, you know, so that 20 mile trick throws you out. You ain't part of Utopia. I only got graced in because Laura's parents are from Utopia, you know, originals, and so I got graced in there. But, um, until your face touch, you don't use, you really use anything, right? And so now all of a sudden, I, I, all these years I've lived here, like I never have locked my truck. Never thought about it. We have to hunt to find a key to our house, right? We don't lock the house. That's not something we think about. We don't, we don't, that's not a mental deal because you're not in the city. I have to remind myself if I go to San Antonio, lock the truck, Right? I mean, y'all probably have the same way because you're just out in the country. We don't think about those kind of things. But until your faith is challenged, until something happens to you, until it becomes real to you, until you become a part of it, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and then you start using your faith. But until then, it's just laying there dormant. All right. 
So one of the, the first thing I talked about was that in ministry of the Lord, of course, there's worship. So we've, I've discussed that. And then I talked about faith once before, but I want to talk. I'm going to start on faith just again this morning. Look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report or a good testimony. Okay. By f- now, faith is the substance of things. That word substance, okay, it means the setting in place under, things put under, the substructure, the foundation. That's what that word substance means. Faith is the substance of your life, of your hope. But I'm challenging this morning, I'm saying to you, do you even know what that means? In our lives right now, do you know what it means to have faith in God? How much faith do you have in God? Yes, I know when I die, I'll go to heaven. Is that where your faith ends? Or is God going to be your financial supporter? Is God going to be your healer? Is God going to be the answer to everything? Is is the wisdom that's calling out in the streets, are you going to hear that wisdom? Because that's the essence of who you are. You believe in God. So then that means you believe his word's true. Faith means, faith has to be something that you can stand on. It has to be the rock, the unmovable substructure that everything else in your life is built. But if your faith isn't in a rock, the true rock, right, isn't in God Almighty and Jesus Christ. If your faith isn't built in that, if your faith is built in your ability, your government, Hey, I'll throw another one at you. Your gun, your, 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 your ninja skills. I gave up on my ninja skills after about 50. I, I don't even dream about that anymore. All I think about is if I try that, that's going to pull something in my back right here, man. I won't even try to kick that. Are you with me? In your knowledge, in your schooling, in your high education of learning, that's what your faith is in, your abilities. Well, I'm going to tell you, that faith is going to be shaken. That faith is going to crumble. That's going to be just an earthquake that shook and your foundation is going to crumble. But today is the day to get real. Today is the day to get and say, what do you really believe? And I realize I'm kind of radical. I'm, I'm a little out there because I'm going to trust Jesus and everything. But I'm telling you what, he saved my life. This isn't some religion. I got it. didn't just need a job, so I decided I'd be a preacher. Holy cow, no. I argue with the Lord every Sunday. Isn't there somebody else? Send somebody else, Lord. Let me be the usher. I want to take up the offering. What's your faith in? What is it? Is it real? Is your faith going to protect you? Is your faith going to get you through the coronavirus? Are you going to recover? Are you going to do what James 5, 14 and 15 says? You will recover? When you pray, hear me now. Are you believing it? In 1 John 5, 14, 15, 16, that your prayer is heard? Do you believe? Listen, do you believe that you have a place in the courts of heaven that has your name on it, you can sit and make your intercession. Yes. 
or is it just religion to you? Is it just, you know, something that you do, uh, you know, because you don't really use it that much because you're always using your other faith, your other abilities, your other strengths, your knowledge, your whatever. You're not really trusting in the Lord. Hey, I'm just not. I'll preach to the. I'll preach to the broadcast. <laughs> They're looking at me funny here. I'm getting some looks. I'll talk to y'all because I can't see your faces. You can only see mine. I mean, that's what it boils down to right now, church. We're getting into some, some, some times. I mean, the Bible tells us, and I am not predicting the end of the world. I'm just saying the Bible tells us there's coming a day that Jesus is coming back. It's coming a day the clouds are going to roll up and God's going to stick his face out and say, boo. <laughs> right? What are you going to do? I'm just saying we're, we're coming to some real times here. If you're in Afghanistan this morning and you're a Christian, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand up and say, no, I'm going to serve. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. Or knowing that you could be cut, your head cut off and that your family could be killed in front of you, that you could go through horrible things. It's easy for us to sit around and watch the, 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 the historical uh, documents and documentaries of World War II and what the Jews went through and all the horrible things of the concentration. And we weren't there. We can watch this. Oh, that's horrible. But what if that was you? Is your faith at a place that it will not be shaken? Hallelujah! Yes, Lord. I'm challenging you this morning. I'm challenging you. Is your faith at a place that it can't be shaken? That no matter what comes down, the world economy crashes. The United States crashes. There ain't no money. Nothing's worth anything. Are you still going to have faith in Jesus and a smile on your face saying, Hey, God, I, you got me covered. Amen. I'm not predicting that's happening. I'm just merely making a statement. Because yes, you see, we Americans, we've lived in such comfort, such just we've had everything. God has blessed this nation so much. Now, of the 140 different countries represented illegally coming across our border, I know a certain percentage of those have got to have an evil desire to hurt America. But there's a lot of those that just wanted to get to America because they've been dreaming about it forever. Just got to get to America. Oh, but it's such a bad place. Bunch of racist, homophobe people. This terrible place, man. Got to tear this place. I got to change it all. Then why is everybody trying to get here? I mean, that's what I can't figure out, the, just the reasoning with that. Everybody wants to be here and everybody wants to live the American dream, but we have to tear it down and change it. And I'm like, but what's your faith? Where's your faith? See, I'm challenging you this morning, folks. You've got to start thinking about this. This has got to be real to you. It's got to be real to us. Is your Jesus real? Is your faith real? Do you have, is it the foundation, the whole thing in life that you're standing upon and you're happy today because you know you're standing on the rock and you cannot be shaken? Yes, Lord. Glory. No matter what the report is, no matter how our circumstances and situations change, you're firm, you're stuck, you're locked, you're in. Okay, it says the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, the evidence, that word evidence means a proof that which a thing is proved or tested. In other words, everything else is measured off of that. Are you following me? Everything else is measured off of that. You know, scientists, 
God bless them. But a lot of times they don't get things right. And they don't get things right because they didn't start out with the proof, the evidence of the very first thing. It wasn't right. So therefore it went off. The other day I was measuring something with a set of calipers and I measured it and it came up and it told me digitally what it was. And I was like, huh, it don't seem right. This didn't seem right. It didn't seem like it was as long as I thought it would have been. And so then I went on and I wrote that measurement down because that was what I thought it was. And then I measured another one and I did that. And then I thought, wait a minute, did I calibrate the calipers before I started? And I closed them shut where they should have registered zero and it didn't say zero. It said some other number. And I pushed it and then I went back and remeasured and then I had the right measurement, right? Well, what this is saying, it's the evidence, it's the proof. In other words, it's the only thing you can measure off of. Anything else measured off, that's wrong. So then that's why a lot of scientists get things wrong because they say this, this, and this about the world and this, but they didn't measure it off of Noah's day and Noah's flood and Noah's ark and all that. And they didn't measure it off of this. And so because they didn't measure it off of this, they were off skewed. And so therefore they came up with their own reasoning. Hello? Y'all with me? So in other words, you're measuring everything else off based on your word or his word. In my daily reading, I've, I've, I've had the, the uh, you know, I've had to read the book of Job. That's where I fell into. I'm right there at the book of Job, about to finish and get through Job and start all over. And uh, I don't like the book of Job. I mean, I was telling the Lord, I had this conversation with the Lord the whole time. I said, man, I don't even know why you stuck this book in there. I mean, you know, I mean, really? He's surrounded by people who don't know what they're talking about, and, 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 and you can't judge their word because at the end of it, you rebuke all of them and tell them, oh, nobody knew what they were talking about. And so you can't, you're reading through this whole thing, doing it, and, and it was just that quick. The Holy Spirit said to me, it's in there to show you the ignorance of man, how he always thinks he is as smart as God. And I'm like, well, if you look at it in those eyes, it makes a lot of sense then that you just put it in here to say, look, you're not me. Right? Because at the end of this Job, you know, he comes in, God shows up and says, can you do what I do? Can you do it? So Job, you know, but you, it's hard to understand it all when you're reading it because unless you get those eyes. And so all of a sudden it was like, poof, the book of Job made, meant something different to me. I looked at it differently because I'm saying, oh, you're just using this to show us how ignorant we are. And how we always come up with an idea and think we know what we're talking about. You know, have you ever been in a meeting, uh, you know, whatever it would be in your business or whatever, been in a meeting that, you know, you pretty much assessed right off the bat that, you know, like you weren't the smartest person in the room. So, you know, the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. I've always used the the the. The proverb that says, you know, if you're, uh, if you're invited to the king's table, I'm paraphrasing it, but if you're invited to the king's table, make sure and don't take the head seat so then you have to get put back down, right? So I have always been that way. No matter what meeting I'm in, I don't care if I'm the guy, I'm the guest speaker, I'm the one that's going to talk. I always go into the meeting, you know, and keep my mouth shut. But God's showing us through the book of Job that man didn't want to keep his mouth shut, that he wanted to speak up and tell God that he knew what he was doing. That God, that they knew what they were doing better than God, right? That they had the answer for everything. So my point is, their faith was in the wrong place. Their evidence was in the wrong place. 
I don't want to see us like that. I don't want to see us getting lost, getting caught up with something else. Listen to me. Measure everything off the word. If it's not in the word, leave it alone. If you can't find how it relates to the word, whatever, put it on the back burner. Let it sizzle. Don't mess with it. Just leave it alone. Stay with the word and you won't get off. But if you get off and other things, and I want to tell you something, you're going to miss it. And I don't believe in this last day. Missing it, there's a lot of grace to save you. In other words, the mistakes today are going to cost you severely. Okay? So he goes on and he says, um, uh, verse 3, he says, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So, The word of God then connected with your faith and the evidence, your hope is what's going to frame your world when it comes out of your mouth. Now, I'm guilty of this myself. Sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I get dismayed. Sometimes I just get downright mad and angry and things come out of my mouth. They shouldn't. The old, the old. Robert Richards kind of rattles his cage and starts getting out. And I want to say stupid things. But I know that I know that I know that I know down on the inside of me, I know that I'm doing wrong and I stop myself. I eventually get hold of myself. I repent for what I'm doing and I turn around and get the word of God coming out of my mouth. Are you all with me? None of us are perfect. But anyway, I know in myself what's right. And I get myself back on track. Because I know that the word of God coming out of your mouth is what's going to frame your world. If you wake up in the morning and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed wherever I go today. You're speaking God's word out of your mouth that's coming out of your house. You step up and say, Lord, and John 10, 29 says, I'm in the palm of the Father's hand. Ain't nothing taking me out. So, Lord, I ain't going out till it's time. You're speaking God's word. You're framing your world. When things of stressful situations want to come upon you and you stop and you say, no, 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 no. You said, let not my heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So, Lord, I'm going to take John 14's word, and I'm going to say, oh, I'm not going to be troubled today. This is what you have to do. This is just not what crazy charismatics do. This is what you're supposed to do as a Christian. Everybody say a Christian. Everybody say, I am a Christian. Well, if we're a Christian, then we've got to act like Christians. We've got to, do, we've got to operate the way Christians are supposed to operate. Hello? So then if we're going to walk in this and we're going to frame our worlds, it's only going to be framed by what God says about you. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. Everything you pray, he can do more. Ephesians 1 and 3 that you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Huh? Nehemiah 2 and 20, the good hand of God is upon your life. We said, well, it doesn't seem like it because things aren't going right. No, no, no. He also said, you got to remember John 16, 33. We don't like it, but it says in this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, so he's made a way. But you got to get into it. If you just are mad because you're in tribulation, well, then the devil's twisting your tail, and he's got you over there focused on the wrong thing. Get back focused on the word. Get back focused on what God says. Get back focused on what his word is here. Get your faith going. Get your That's your foundation of life. 
Hello? Are y'all with me this morning? See, you should be stirred by this because saying, well, man, I got this made. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. That he who comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So in other words, if you're ministering to the Lord, what pleases God is you've got faith in him that he's going to deliver you. That's having faith. So if you're going through a trial, going through tribulation, the world has kicked you in the teeth. Because God didn't kick you in the teeth. God loves you so much he sent his only son to save you. If anybody kicked you in the teeth, it's this stupid world system we live under that's demonically controlled. And if it's kicked you, well, then you can be of good cheer because you have faith that can be exercised in the word of God and you can be delivered. I wish everything worked right, but it always doesn't. It doesn't always work right. I'm just telling you, this doesn't always work right. Because we live in a fallen world. We don't are not in the garden. They fell from the garden because of old Slewfoot. Right? So we live in a fallen world. So there's going to be people do bad things. There's going to be people make bad decisions. There's going to be people that are not going to be out for our interest, going to be out for their own interest, going to be out for power, out for money. Out for lust. That's what the Bible tells us. It's not a big, it's not like it's a great hidden knowledge. They're going to be wanting to do it for themselves. We shouldn't be surprised that people do wicked things. We stand against them. We rebuke them. We pray against it. We pray against them. Right? That's what we do as Christians. So, takes me to the next point about ministering to the Lord. And you're going to love this one. Oh, you're going to jump for joy on this, and everybody's going to get a big smile on their face and just jump for joy on this one. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Now, see, we don't like that word. It's a horrible word, and it's just a, a word we'd like to be stricken because we don't want to have obedience. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Okay, so go to 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3. <clears throat> Verse 1, 1 Samuel 3, 1. It's the story of Samuel when he was a boy. It says, And the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Now one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli. He said, here I am. You call me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down again and the Lord called him, Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. You call me. And he said, and he said, my son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. No, the word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. Now a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am. You're calling me. And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Eli went and he laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling at the, as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. 
Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Now, isn't it interesting here <clears throat> that Eli, now Eli wasn't a very good priest. Okay, he had some, he, he had some zone set of issues. But he told, told Samuel, he said, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In other words, he told Samuel to put himself in a place of obedience to the word of the Lord right off the bat in order to hear God. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that wouldn't let you talk? And so my question to you, was it fun? Was it interesting? Did you enjoy it? Whenever time you're trying to get a word in edgeways, you can't do it. You're trying to talk, but they won't be quiet. Wow. I'm just, I just speculate that the Lord has had those encounters too. When we won't be quiet and he's trying to say something and tell us something and help us out, lead us and guide us and tell us what we need to do. But we won't be quiet long enough to hear his voice speaking to us. So we're just, you know, being religious about it. So we're just trying to get our grocery list off to the Lord. We're just trying to get it out to him, telling him all the things he needs to do, all the things he needs to take place, how he needs to do it, where he needs to go. And oh, by the way, get them and smoke that one over there too. Lord, oh yeah, and we're going over here. And we're going through this whole list and say, okay, Lord, thank you. And he's like, so Eli told Samuel, he said, no, no, no. You go sit down and you put yourself in a place of obedience. You say, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm here. I'm listening. Have you ever, have you ever had a time that you went into prayer and you didn't say anything? The other morning, for some reason, I couldn't sleep. I woke up 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. So I just got up, and so it just gave me more time to pray. And so I was just up praying. And I woke up, felt strong, felt good, went in there, started having some conversations with the Lord and and so I, you know, went about this. And then so I took this time period just to sit and listen. That's what we're supposed to do. Because if you're talking all the time, how could you ever hear his voice? And he wants to speak to you. And I'm telling you, when he speaks to you and you know it's his voice, so you got to watch it. You got to watch it because you don't want to just hear your own voice. Because your own, you know how you know that, listen, I, I learned this a long time ago. You know how you know if you're speaking to you or God's speaking to you? Because the voice may sound the same because it's come through your head. You know how you know the difference? Because if you're speaking to you, you're doing it your way. You're just confirming it. Lord, should I, you know, say something to so-and-so? And then you hear, yes, my child, go forward. Lash with the tongue. Set them straight. You get a scripture like rebuke everyone in this place. You start going to the scriptures that are agreeing with you. You know when you hear the voice of the Lord is when the, the voice that came to you and spoke to you was not anything you could have ever thought about. Not like, oh, I sit up here in the seventh heaven. No, he's like, uh, why don't you forgive so-and-so and then this will line up. You're like, what? I'm talking about this. <laughs> I'm talking about getting you to do this. And the Lord and the voice, the, Holy, the, the, the Lord speaking to you and he says, yes, you need to go back and repent about that. And then this will line up. You're like, what? Doesn't have anything to do with these two situations. Ah, back to the book of Job. You know more than God. 
Do you know how it all works? So, obedience. Obedience is a way that we minister to the Lord. When you become an obedient servant, it ministers to him because he knows he's got somebody on earth that'll listen to him. Okay? So now go over to chapter 15, 1 Samuel 15. Here's a great story to show you how you don't want to do it. 1 Samuel 15, 1. Now, this is Saul's king. He's been put in there. He's been placed in as king of Israel. And uh, so Samuel now has grown up. Years have gone by. Samuel said to Saul, I am one of the Lord's sent to anoint you king over this people of Israel to listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says, to punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when by the one they waylaid them and they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites. Totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Do not put... Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Okay? But Saul had a better plan. Look down at verse 9. So Saul goes and he does it and he fights. And it says, And Saul and the army spared Agai, king of the, and the best, the sheep, the cattle, the fat, cat, the fat calves, the lambs, and everything that was good. They were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So in other words, they got out there and they got to say, man, why are we killing these cows for? Look at that old big fat cow over there. Look like she's giving a good bit of milk. Look at that big old fat lamb over there. Look at the tail on him. That's a fat one over there. Man, let's get him. Right? They started choosing and taking and picking from the group and they took out what was the best. Plus they took the king because they wanted to, to, to embarrass him and humiliate him and show Saul wanted to show his dominance and how strong he was. And so he went and he got, and he thought this was a pretty good assessment. Okay, so look at verse 13. So when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Said, I did it. I carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, well, then what? What is this bleeding of the sheep in my ear? And what is the lowing of the cows I hear? You see, folks, sometimes when you think you've carried out the word of the Lord, you better stop and listen to see if you hear some sheep bleating. Because when you feel so confident, Lord, I've done all your will, and you hear in the background, meh. <laughs> you may be just like Saul. You may not have carried the word of the Lord out. I mean, you're saying, Lord... There's no servant like me on the earth. I do your bidding in here. You're not in obedience. You're simply figured that this is the right thing to do. The proverb that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is of the way of death. That is the one scripture that scares me. Because I don't want to do something that I think is right, but it's really wrong. The majority of my prayer time is, oh, God, I don't want to do anything wrong with the church. I don't want to lead anything. I don't want to go in the wrong direction. Oh, help me. Keep me on path. Keep me here, Lord, in the right direction because I don't want to think I'm right and find out I was wrong. I don't like that. That scripture throws the fear of God in me to walk very timidly in everything I do because I just don't want to do wrong. I don't want to do something that may offend somebody that then caused that shipwreck over there or this over here or that over there or whatever because I don't want to think that I'm right in my own self, but yet I end up in death. Should fear, should throw the fear of God in all of us. 
Because, folks, I'm telling you what, I don't want to get to heaven and see the big screen playing my life out and find out the times that I blew it, the times I messed up, the times I did what was wrong, and it affected the ripple down the, the road that kept somebody from heaven. I don't want that. Man, I do not want that on my life. And so I walk in the fear of the Lord all the time saying, God, just help me to make sure that my foot's in the right place. Saul didn't do this because Saul did not want to be obedient. Saul did it because he felt confident that he was, like the book of Job, smarter than God. So, verse 15. Now look at this. He so thought he was right, folks, that he had deceived himself that he had obeyed God. And Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites and for the people. They spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. He's like, what do you mean? I brought sacrifices to God. I've done. I've got, look, uh, we've got this, all this. We're going to give it to God. It's going to be glorious. So he was convincing himself that he was right. His deception had taken him so far. And his disobedience had taken him so far that now he was deceived, thinking what he was doing was right. But he was wrong. 22, verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. He's like, he missed it. God's looking for obedience. He's looking for obedience, somebody that will be a servant that will do his bidding, that will be a Christian, that will love his neighbor, that will love God with all of his heart and his soul and his mind and his might. Whoop, whoop. And in these days, we have to be checking ourselves. Listen to me. You cannot be a Christian and go against the word of God and be in obedience. End of story. There's no way around it. You can't justify it. You can't twist it. You can't turn it. You can't do anything else. If it goes against contrary to the word of God, you're not in obedience. You're not walking in truth. There's no way around it. I don't care. Listen, the Bible's not left open for man's interpretation. It is what it is. And if you go against this thing, folks, listen to me. The fear of God needs to be put into people to quit going against what the word of God says. Because they're going to lead to shipwreck. It's going to lead to total and complete destruction. Saul lost the kingdom. He lost the kingdom because he had a better idea than God. And people are fooling around. And I've never been much of a hellfire and damnation preacher, but I'm ready to get up and hellfire and damnation something because people ain't got no sense anymore. They're just completely ignorant of little things that I would think anybody should see it's wrong. But you see, when you want to do something that's in your own heart and you just want it to be the way you want it to be, then you convince yourself that you're right. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? Don't, I mean, I mean, the bottom line is it's, it's really easy. Listen to me. It's easy to go to court if you're not guilty. I mean, there's a stress of the whole thing, whatever. but if you didn't do something wrong, you don't have anything to lie about. You can be at peace. Follow me. 
if you're sticking to God's word, it just makes life easy. I just have to believe what the word. Well, but what about? No, no, no. There's no what about. There's no what about needs to be interpreted. There's no, there's no, we need to move on. That was the old days. And we know, no, no, no. If this is what the word says, that's what we're, that's the truth. That's what we're going to do. We're going to believe it. And we're going to go on. But see, people don't want to do that. So, well, you know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. And, you know, so-and-so, and they're a really nice person. And, <laughs> no, I'm just going to believe the word. And I'm sorry if it sets me apart, if it makes me radical, if it makes me it makes me, you know, be somebody that did you think I'm a deplorable because of this? Well, then I'm sorry. You just, you know, I, you're lost for not knowing me. Right. You're lost or not coming to church here. Because we're going to be Christians that are going out to do we're going to be obedient to what the word of the Lord says, because I don't want to end up like Saul. I don't want to hear the bleeding of sheep. I want to hear the 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 sound of rejoicing and thanksgiving coming from your voices. Not a bunch of sounds of bleeding. Okay? Because God doesn't have any desire for you to bring him a present. He's got a desire for you to be obedient to do what he says. So that means if he says forgive, then you've got to forgive. You say, well, I don't want to forgive. Wait a minute. The evidence of things, the proof, the proofing, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. I mean, let's get over to something really hard and hard and harsh, like 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to love. <laughs> oh, God. Not that. We're going to bear all things. We're going to believe all things. We're going to hope all things. And love never fails. Never fails. Never fails. I mean, what kind of a <laughs> never fails? In other words, you can't lose if you walk in love. He said, well, I can. I don't like being, I'll just be a doormat. Everything's going to be terrible. Everything's going to be good. It'll either run over me. They're going to take advantage of me. It's going to, no, it says you can't get, you can't fail. Walking in love. You need to go home today. You need to listen, see if you hear any sheep bleat, any cows lowing. Because the greatest way to get everything going right in life is to say, oh, shoot that cow. Shoot that sheep, Lord. I want them out of my life. Right? Get rid of it. So you can get in obedience. And then once you get in obedience, well, then God's going to begin to speak to you just like he did to Samuel. He's going to speak to you, speak to you, speak to you. God wants to speak to you. Everybody say, God wants to speak to me. I guarantee you, God wants to speak to you, wants to lead you, wants to guide you. He may be speaking to you through the word, through a song, through a whatever, 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 whatever. Y'all with me? Folks, it's an exciting life right now to live hearing the voice of God in these troubled times. Showing you how to navigate through troubled waters. We want everything just to go right. I want everything to go right. I wish everything would go right. I wish I had no conflict. I wish I had no issues. I wish I had no problems. You with me? I mean, all of us are. I'm not saying I just like to live in trials and tribulations. My goal is for things to run smoothly. But I ain't never got that place. I don't know about y'all, but I seem to live in this life where I go for a, a good period of time, and, and then I start getting nervous. I'm like, things have been really good for a while. Things have been really good for a while, huh? What's coming? Oh, Jesus. You know? 
And then I start getting kind of, you know, like, okay, Lord, I start throwing up some extra prayer and trying to, okay, Lord, listen for your voice, everything okay, everything going all right. And then all of a sudden, here it comes, you know. Since I've started preaching this message on ministering to the Lord, I have been in nothing but, my family's been in nothing but hell. And so it really tells me that God's trying to get this across to us because I mean, fought me, I just want to go back and preach in something else. I want to go find some milk toast and throw out there, you know. How many of y'all in here have ever eaten milk toast? We got a few people in here. My grandmother's from East Texas, and that was an East Texas thing, I guess. Make milk toast. You basically just lightly toast a piece of bread, break it all up, put it in a, in a bowl, put some sugar on it, pour some milk on it, and then that was just like a cereal. I never did like it. And this soggy, milky bread, didn't ever like it, but my grandma made it, and I ate it and shut up, you know, so... But it's just not much to it, just milk toast, it's just bland, just, just not, I mean, you really had to pour the sugar to it to where it coated up down on the bottom where you could get a spoonful of sugar with each bite to make it taste worth eating, you know, which we know that's not good for you nowadays, so don't do it. But anyway, I'm just talking about, I just want to preach some milk toast message, just some little old milk toast thing, just come up there and say, man, I ain't preaching that thing, preaching about ministering the Lord, man, I'm just fighting left and right here. But that's Okay. Because you know what? I'm going to win. I'm going to walk in victory. God's going to bless. It's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. I'll navigate through the troubled waters and we'll get to the other end and everyone will be blessed and everything will be good and God will move and he'll bless in everybody's life because that's what God wants to do. If we stay on the path. So just because you've got some troubles, just because you've got some trials, just because things are going on, does not mean that you, you know, you're out of God's forsaken. You're going to know we just live in a, war, a fallen world. But you're going to have victory if you stay with God. Amen. If you th- fall off the wagon and give up and go running backwards, you're just going to reap more problems. You're going to get like Saul and you're going to convince yourself you're right, even though you're wrong. Okay, and let me give you this next one. I've got enough time. Uh, I've already touched on it, but I want to touch on it again. Luke 10, 30, the story of the Good Samaritan. The next way to minister to the Lord is, folks, we've got to realize that people are the most important thing in the world. Souls are important to God. No matter if they're dirty, smelly, ridiculous, radical, against everything you believe, whatever, they're still souls. And God cares about souls. What's going on over in Afghanistan right now? There's souls involved in this, souls in a country, souls going on, souls taking place. Souls are important to God. Every day, do you just think about this. I, I, I heard this on the radio, and I, I wouldn't have thought this was right, but they said every day someone dies of a motorcycle accident in Texas. So that's 30 people a day, in, I mean 30 people a, a month in Texas, we'll say. Every day when somebody dies on a motorcycle. And it was a commercial for Watch Out for Motorcycles. And I thought about that. Wow. And then I got to thinking about the, 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 the door of heaven. How many people, you don't even understand how many people are dying in the world every day, regardless of COVID. Right? I mean, you got, you got so many people that are just dying in natural causes, so many people dying in accidents, so many people gone. You, I, and I got to thinking about heaven. I got to thinking about what's going on in the, 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 the influx, the daily influx of souls. Because we're not talking about just in our little world. We're talking about in the world. Imagine what that looks like. Souls going to heaven all the time. 
or hell. I mean, it's got to be a busy place. Just on the, just in the, I don't know what you call it, just in the Department of Souls entering. The entry port. You know, like, like the jetway. You know, like you walk down and you go into the jet, but it's in reverse. The jetway coming in through the pearly gate. I mean, Peter's got a lot of work to do to get them all checked out in the book. Or maybe they've computerized by now. I mean, is the book of life? Yes, you're in there. Because souls are important to God. Then you think about, the Bible says that the angels rejoice over every soul that's saved. So, Think about this. There's an innumerable multitude of angels. It means there's so many angels you can't number them. And they all rejoice every time someone gets saved. And there are people hourly being saved. It's probably even more than that. But I'm just going to say hourly in the world, there are souls being saved. Every, probably every second in the world, souls are being saved going through there. So, I mean, what, how do the angels get any work done? Is it just like the bell goes off? You know, that was it. And then you go, bing, woo-woo. I mean, I don't know. But there's a whole bunch of an innumerable multitude. Of th- I don't know how big that number is of angels that are jumping and rejoicing for people being saved. There are another corridor over here of people coming into heaven. Because it's all about souls, church. It's all about people, souls, Heaven and hell and eternity, that's what it's all about. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about the fortune. It's not about, you know, the, 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 the big whatever that your dream is. It's about souls. It's about people. You're a rich person if you have taken as many souls to heaven with you as you possibly can. No, seriously, give the Lord a hand clap on that one. Your goal should be in life to populate heaven. Your goal should be in life that you, you want to rescue and pray and, and minister to as many people as you possibly can to influence souls for Jesus. You might not get to pray with them because the Bible says some, some, are, some are watering, some are planting, some are harvesting, you know, so you don't know where you're at. But to just to have impacted someone's life to get closer to God is a big deal. It's a big deal. Right? You may not, you, your, your whole life may have been sowing. You may not have got the blessing of harvesting, okay? But you're still, your whole focus is on souls. That when you left a person, that they were closer to Jesus than when you were there, when you got there. That's, that's huge. That should be your goal because that truly is your retirement, right? Because you're going to die here. So never, whatever you've amassed, the kids are going to get. Hello? Your real retirement is what you're living in for eternity on the other side. And the only way to do is you can't, you know, you, you, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. But what you've done with people and souls and whatever's waiting for you in heaven and because of your life on earth. When you were nice to somebody that wasn't nice to you, when you wanted to bless somebody that didn't want to bless you, when you heard God tell you to do something and you did it. I still remember and, and this is so important to me. And it's one of those, those, those aha moments in life when God spoke to me. And, I, and I've told this before. 
but my wife and I are just getting started in our, our Christian walk and we're just trying to learn about the things of God and we're broke and I've lost the ranch and everything's gone and there's, there's no money and we're just struggling from, from paycheck to paycheck. We're not even making it to the paycheck for we're struggling. And, uh, and, and when we, we heard a message about giving and about tithing and we saw it in the word and went through it and the Lord was speaking to me about it, but I just couldn't tithe. I didn't see how I could release any money when I didn't have any money. I mean, I had some money in my hand, but I knew it had to be all segregated out for bills. And I remember just praying and saying, God, I want to do it, but how do I do it? How can I do this, Lord? And I remember saying that it was, a, it was 20 bucks is what our tithe was going to have to be. And I was just like, Lord, how can I do this? And so my wife and I finally, we committed and we said, Lord, okay, well, I trust your word more than I trust anything else in life. And I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense when I need money to be given money. I should be keeping more back. But anyway, I'm just going to do what you said, Lord. My wife and I, we fell on our face. And you know, you can laugh about this. Uh, you know, but 20 bucks might as well be 2 million to me. And we gave, and I'll never forget it. We gave it. And I was just like, knowing that I wasn't going to make it at the end of the week because my job was only going to make me so much money. And I knew that that's what I, I was going to be $20 short. And then all of a sudden we got the mail and opened up a Christmas, uh, uh, not a Christmas card, a card. And then it said, uh, I love you, Jesus. And there's 20 bucks in it, a $20 bill. And I mean, you couldn't have given me, you couldn't have given me the winning lotto ticket that I just didn't freak out. My, we just looking like, oh my gosh, look at this. God gave us the whoop, whoop, whoop. We just danced around the house. We, man, we were so excited. We were just like, our God is alive. And that $20 bill. <clears throat> so whoever the person was, because it was not signed, that put in that $20 bill and sent it, my goodness. They were, they were making a big impact in heaven that day by blessing us. You follow what I'm saying? They just simply heard and were obedient to do what God said, and it changed my life, which then, just let's look at this ripple effect. Because that changed my life, and I began to understand the principles of giving, which we continue as a church to give, and we continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And now there's orphans being rescued around this world. Things are taking place, all the ministries, churches, all the stuff going on, all because of that $20 bill. So now how big was that? Obedience, faith. God's word, ministering to the Lord, and it affected souls. So you got to get on your, 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 your soulish radar. Soul, 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 soul. Souls are important. Souls are important. Souls are important. Souls are important. Jesus said, if you did unto the least one of these, you've done unto me, right? Matthew 25. So souls are important. Souls are important. You got to just get that through. Your souls are important. People 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 are, are more important than buildings, more important than money, more important than your desires and dreams. People, souls. And when you start getting that, it starts changing you because, see, let me ask you something. <clears throat> well, let me tell you something. Jesus came to this earth and he died for souls. So it's up on his list of pretty important things, <laughs> like, like at the top, dying for the world. So then if you're doing that, you're just getting in agreement with him. And my goodness, that's what he wants to do. So I can tell you, you're going to be successful. Amen. 
So look at the person beside you and say, it's all about souls. <coughs> Praise God. All right. So you're going to go home. You're going to listen to see if you got any sheep blatant around. Any cows out back. See any sign. Check for sign. No. Check for sign. No, I don't got no sheep. Cows don't got no cows. Hey, we're country. We know what that means, right? You're going to go see if, you know, you're obedient. You're going to get your face stirred up because, folks, I'm telling you, you're, you're, don't let your faith be challenged and, and your foundation crack. The kids used to, is, I don't even know where it came from. And, I, and my wife says I don't sing it right, but it's in my heart. Uh, they used to sing this song in, way back. I mean, when my kids were little, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Is that the way it goes, or is that just my interpretation? That's it? And it was, a, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boom, boom. And so when I get challenged, that little old song comes up in my heart, and I always say, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boom. So that's where we got to get in our faith. Amen. So stand up. Let me pray for you. Pray for all y'all watching the broadcast today. So join your faith with me. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus name, Lord, I declare that these people, these people, Lord God, that are listening today, they're in the broadcast, get this message down within their heart. That it so impacts them, it so builds them, it so strengthens them this day, Lord. That, Lord, their faith is a sure foundation because it's in you. I declare, Lord God, their worship is pleasing unto you. That, Lord, they are people who are obedient to your word to do what your word says. That souls, Lord God, are on the forefront of their mind, of their heart of their prayer life. And Lord God, I praise you for it. I ask you, Lord God, this week, let us have a great week of ministering to people. I just pray, Lord God, for divine appointments for every person that we come across that place in life. Lord God, that, that, that we meet people that we can lead them to you, Jesus, that we can encourage them, we can bless them, we can help them, we can direct them to you. And so, Lord, I just give you praise for it. I just give you thanks for it. Because, Lord, you are so good, so good, and so good. And so, Lord, bless them now. Bless them exceedingly abundantly beyond they could even think or ask, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen and amen. Hey, can I have a few prayer, uh, prayer team people come up front? If you're here and you need prayer, we're here. We'll pray with you and bless you. If you... Uh, I don't need prayer. Well, then glory to God. Be blessed. Go get them. Win some souls this week. Amen. God bless you, church.